having a good night so far? Yeah, I'll make some noise for the band. Come on. Yeah, Chad Russell right there. Yes. Come on. And I didn't see you. Just the TV blocked me. Uh, how's every spring break? Was it good? Yeah? Too short? Oh, spring break's always too short. Uh, anybody go anywhere good? Like beach or anything? Where'd you go? Boston. It's awesome. It was cold there. Anybody go to the beach or anything? I just want to live vicariously through you for a moment. What beach? Venice Beach is in California. That's awesome. Uh, well, that's cool. While you guys were on spring break, I had the flu, so that was my life. Come on. And uh, if I at any point cough like a 90-year-old smoker, um, I think I'm okay. So that's all right. But hey, my name's Mitch, and uh, I work on the team here at the living room. I've been, uh, I've been here for, gosh, two years. And um, my job is uh, behind the scenes most of the time, and I get to work with people like Paul and the band and, and the production crew that you never see in the back. And um, it's they let me have the microphone today and let me get up front, so that's fun. And um, I'm excited. Uh, just a little bit about me. I went to Auburn University is where I went to college. And um, what would you say? The Auburn's a war eagle. Thank you. I think a Clemson fan just said that, which I think took a lot. But uh, thank you. I'll take that. War Eagle, I went to Auburn. Uh, I was there in the Cam Newton era, which was a year. But uh, he was there when I was there, too. And uh, I high-fived him once. And he gave me a donut one time. So that's like me and Cam are like BFFs, you know. We're, we're tight. And so I'm excited to be here. We're starting a brand-new series called Real Talk tonight. And uh, anybody ever been in a moment with real talk? Like, we all, I think, throughout life all the time have, like, moments of real talk where, like, you, like, it's one of those, like, kind of come to Jesus meetings with, like, your friend or, like, your roommate maybe or, like, somebody you're dating. Like, real talk is that kind of thing that's, like, it's super candid, right? It's, like, super honest conversation. Uh, a lot of the times it's super tough conversation, right? Real talk. And um, I was just thinking about sometimes, like, real talk for me, like, happens all the time. We've all been in situations where we've had to have real talk, especially with roommates. Anybody ever had to have, like, a really tough but, like, necessary conversation with a roommate before? Anybody have to have do that, like, today? Yeah, so I've only shared a room with somebody one time I'm out for one year of my life, and that was Auburn, my freshman year. And y'all, I feel a little bit bad about this, but uh, I've been trying so hard. I can't remember his name. I cannot remember my roommate freshman year's name. Uh, it's, I remember what he looks like, and I remember that I did not like him. And uh, we had a lot of real talk moments. Uh, one in particular, I, it was a real talk where I had to explain to him and convince him that when you spill milk in your refrigerator, like your personal refrigerator, you have to, like, clean that up. Like, at some point in 18 years of life, it, he never got taught that. Either he had never spilled milk before or he just didn't understand what happens. And what we had discovered, I walked into the room one day, it smelled terrible, and I discovered there was a hole in the bottom of his refrigerator, and milk had spilled, and there was milk just, like, growing things underneath his refrigerator. It took us a whole week to figure out why in the world the room smelled so bad. And uh, we, like, the facility people came in and just laughed at us. And then we had, he and I had a moment together of like, hey, you got to clean up after yourself. It's like, maybe you've had moments like that, real talk moments with your roommate where you're like, hey, dude, like dirty clothes, like they, ha they should have like one space, not like the whole room. Or maybe you've been dating somebody and you're like, you had to have a real talk conversation like, hey, this is how I am and you are like annoying the mess out of me because you do this. So like, let's real talk, let's, let's work this out. Or maybe you've had to have like real talk with your boy before because he's dating somebody that he had no business dating right? We've had that conversation happen before. Or like girls like you had to have a real talk moment with a friend because like she, something she's wearing, you're like, no, you need to understand. Which guys never have that conversation because that's a trap. If the girl ever asks, hey, do I look good in this? You don't, you say yes. That's, that's the answer. That's not a real talk moment. But some of you have had real talk moments like that. And everybody 
in our life. At some point, we've had a real talk moment where because something in our life is happening where somebody needed to, to sit us down and have like an honest, a candid, uh, maybe a tough conversation. It's, it's a conversation that's like you're not like trying to walk on eggshells here. Like you're going straight in. It is straight up. It's straight up talking. It's usually like really good for the other person. If I could define real talk for you, I think it's this. Real talk, it's honest, it's transparent, and it's genuine conversation that usually has the other person's best interest in mind. That's real talk. So at some point in your life, whether it's a parent or a friend or a coach, a mentor, uh, a small group leader, somebody has had to sit you down because you were slipping up with your grades, you were just making a string of like really bad decisions or whatever, somebody had to sit you down and have honest, transparent, genuine conversation, and usually it's with your best interest in mind. They're like, hey, if you keep doing this, the path that you're going to go down, it's not going to be good for you. If you fail out of college, that's not going to be a good thing for you. So we got to figure out, let's right the ship, figure out what's going on. And so this series, this series, Real Talk, we are going through the book of James or as best we can. I'm just going to tell you, we're not going to get through the whole thing. You should read it on your own. I'm going to tell you about that later. But if I could define the book of James in two words for you, it's this, real talk. James is real talk. James was a really interesting guy. James was the brother of Jesus. I mean, half-brother, if you want to get technical, because Jesus didn't have an earthly father. So half-brother of Jesus. And he, is a, uh, he was a church leader, a really influential church leader in Jerusalem. So when James spoke, uh, people listened to him. And so he pins this letter. And if I could summarize uh, the book of James, a bulk of the book of James for you, it's that if you call yourself a Christian, act like it. That's where we're going tonight. If you call yourself a Christian, you should act like it. And so James, at some point, he wrote this letter to the people around him who were Christians, but they weren't really acting like it. He was like, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, like, you need to act like it. You need to talk like it. You need to love like it. You need to think like it. You need to walk like it. If you consider yourself a Christian, if you claim Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to believe in Jesus, then you need to figure out how to act like it, right? And so I just want you to think about it this way. I was thinking about faith. Because we've been in this situation before, right? If you think about your faith like a scale, right? Have you ever seen one of these? I don't think I've seen one of these since elementary school. I had to play with it for an hour to figure out how to work it. Do you know what this does? Yeah? Someone. It weighs things, right? Like, this is not, this is like primitive technology now. But hey, you know, you weigh things with a scale. And so if you think about your faith like this, like a scale, I think about it in two ways, right? You've got like two sides of it, right? You've got your faith in general. And when we say faith, generally when I define faith, I'm like, okay, it's the things that I believe. It's the knowledge that I have about whatever it is I believe in. In this case, we're talking about Jesus. So, like, it's, it's knowledge of Jesus. It's, it's understanding Jesus, understanding who Jesus is. And we put that on the scale, right? And then on the other half of it, the other side of the scale is our works. In other words, our actions, right? It's the way that we behave. Sometimes it's, it's the way that we think, right? And it goes on the scale. And every single one of us has met a Christian at some point in their life that has not been able to figure out this scale, right? It's like they say, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian, right? Belief, it's off the scales, but the works, their actions, it doesn't match up at all. Anybody ever met one of those people? Maybe you, like, are like, um, you're speaking to me right now. I'm speaking about myself, especially, y'all, especially, this is the place that I was in when I was, like, a young Christian. And I was, like, I was starting to figure out, like, who Jesus is, what Jesus said, and uh, just sort of the things that God expects of me. And I was like, man, my belief is like it's, it's growing and my knowledge is growing. It started to go off the charts, at least in my mind. 
But then I was just thinking about like my actions, and I'm like, wow, these really aren't matching up. And at the time, at the beginning, I was like, I don't do I want them to? Because I was to be honest with you, I really liked my life. Like I thought it was pretty cool. I was doing whatever I wanted, and in hindsight, they weren't great things. But you know, I was like, I don't think I want to change. Like I don't want to change my actions just because of my belief. But then. The more that I was, you know, learning and more that I was learning about Jesus and who Jesus says I am and who Jesus says I should, how I should treat other people, I was like, wow, like, in comparison, um, these things are not balancing out probably the way that they ought to. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had that thought? And for some of you in the room, some of you in the room are like, you know what, I don't know what I think about this whole Jesus thing. I don't know what I think about uh, believing in Jesus. I don't know what I think about following. And, and for a lot of you, it's because you have met a Christian at some point in your life who has not figured out the scale, right? Who has not figured out how in the world do I balance the things that I believe with the things that I do, right? And it's kind of a turnoff. Like, have you ever met that Christian that, like, goes around and is like, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and they treat people really poorly. Like, they treat their roommate really poorly. They treat their friends t- poorly, or they just treat people in their life like, in general, just really poorly. Like, wow, man, you've got a lot of faith. you got a lot of faith, but, man, your actions, I wish this tilted more. Like, your actions are, like, way down here. Or you've met somebody who's like, yeah, man, I, uh, I believe in Jesus, and they're out partying on Friday. Like, they don't even remember Friday. They don't even remember Thursday. They partied so hard. And you're like, okay, is that wrong? Like, is that, I don't know, it's not, it's not lining up. Or you've met people who say, like, hey, I'm a Christian, and I go out and I treat women like property. And you're like, hmm, something Something's not quite lining up there, right? And so a lot of us are in this place where we're trying to figure out this balance. As you, as you grow in knowledge, as you grow in knowledge, how do I start to balance the scales with my actions? As I learn more about Jesus and I learn more about what Jesus says I am and, and how he says I should treat other people. And then I look at, like, how do I actually treat other people? How do, I, how do I love people? What do I do with my time? And you're like, wow, that's really off. And so we get into the spot where we start asking ourselves the question, is that a problem? Is it a problem that these things are not balancing out? And where do I go from here? And if you're in that spot, it's really common. Every single one of us finds ourselves in that place where we have to figure, we have to figure this balance out. How do I... How do I balance my thoughts and behaviors with what I believe? And this is what James is writing about in the passages that we're going to look at today. We're going to dive like straight in. And the, where we're headed, the point that James is starting to make is this, is that your faith should inform your works. Your faith, in other words, what you believe, it should inform, it should dictate, it should determine your works, the things that, the things that you do. And ultimately as well, your works, your works should reflect your faith. When people look at the things that you do and the way that you think and the way that you behave and the way that you treat other people, people should see that as a reflection of the thing that you believe. Okay, and so just a little warning about James. James, uh, James is like really strong medicine and it does not taste good going down. Anybody when you were growing up, did you have to, when you got sick, did you take that like nasty grape cough syrup? Anybody there? That's what I think the thing I remember about my childhood. It's like Robitussin maybe. And like you took that, that nasty grape. Like who in the world, whoever made it had a wrong impression of what grapes taste like. So it's not that. It's not even purple. It was like that black, like you know in art class when, you, uh, when you're painting and you have like the water cup and you like, you're washing your cup out and it becomes that weird black color. That was the color of the medicine. Okay. And I'm just going to tell you, James is that nasty grape cough syrup. 
Like, it does not taste good going down. It hurts a little bit. I was, as I was studying for this, I was kind of like, dang, that, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel good going down. But just like the nasty grape cough syrup, James, it's really good for you. Real talk is really good for you. Real talk, it's never fun, but it ultimately helps you because ultimately it has your best interests in mind. Okay, so can we just jump in? We're going to jump in. Chapter 2, verse 14, this is what James says. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And so here's the thing. James is the master at the rhetorical question. He's a master at asking a question that you really don't want to answer because you already know the answer internally, right? And he's saying, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? He says, what good is it? What good is it if you say that you believe in Jesus, if you claim to have faith in Jesus, but your actions don't line up? What happens, what good is it if the scale is off? And then he goes on and he says, can such a faith save them? And time out, by the way, uh, we are not talking about salvation tonight. That's not what that means. We are not talking about salvation. There is no work that you can do to earn salvation. The work for that has already been done. That was Jesus on the cross. That happened in the past. So regardless of where you are, there is no work that you can do to save yourself. So he is not talking about salvation here. But what I do think he's talking about is this idea of genuine faith. What What does genuine faith in Jesus look like? And what he's saying is that genuine faith, genuine faith, it produces good works. Genuine faith produces good works. And so he's writing this letter to these people that he knows, and he's like, hey, wake up. Get it together. Because when, I have to imagine when they read this letter, they're like reading it, like, oh, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? If I'm reading that as the recipient of this letter, I'm like, dang it, how's he know? How does he, oh boy, how does he know that I am not really living up to expectations here? How does he know that this isn't going well for me? So it hurts, a, it hurts a little bit already. And James is writing it to be like, hey, wake up. Something is wrong. Something is off balance. It's time to recalibrate. It's time to figure out what the heck is going on. And then he gives them this example. He says, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, there's that question again, what good is it? So he's saying there's a very clear need. At some point in your life, you have encountered somebody who needed something from you, who needed something basic, who needed food. They didn't have food for themselves. They didn't have have clothing for themselves. He says there is a need here, and you didn't do anything about it. There is a, a clear opportunity for you to do good, and you did absolutely nothing. There was no action to the need that you saw. And he says, what good is that? What good is that for people? And when he says, like, what, what good is that, I would define that as, like, to what profit is that? To what benefit is that? Is it beneficial? Is it profitable for somebody in that situation? And he's like, no. No, it's not. It's not beneficial for you to see a need and then do nothing about it. It's not profitable for that person. It doesn't help that person. You're not keeping that person's best interests in mind when you, you see a need and then you do nothing about it. And then he drives it here. And he goes, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if it doesn't have action tagged onto the end of it, it is dead. In other words, faith, if you come to faith, and, and faith is all doctrine, it's all head knowledge, it's all theology, it's all, it's all just like what you think about Jesus, it's what you think 
about God, but then you don't take it anywhere from there. That is a faith that does not have vital signs. It doesn't have a pulse. It doesn't have a heartbeat. That is a, a dead faith. And I wrote it down this way. What I think James is saying is that workless faith is worthless faith. Workless faith is, is worthless faith. And worthless, again, in that, in that just sort of that same definition is that it's, it's a faith that is not beneficial to somebody else. It is a faith that is not profitable. It doesn't help somebody else. Workless faith, faith that is all knowledge that doesn't have action tagged onto the end of it, it is not profitable faith for other people. And it isn't the faith that you've been and I have been called to. It is a worthless, not profitable faith. And then he continues. He says, but someone will say, this is my favorite part, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God. Good. I'm glad. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So in other words, like you say you have faith, you say I have faith, I'm going to show you my faith. James is like, I'm going to show you right now what faith looks like. I'm going to show you my faith by the way that I treat people, by the way that I love people, by the way that I help people, by the way I'm going to show you a beneficial faith, a faith that is beneficial to other people, that is profitable to other people. I'm going to show you a faith that is good to other people. And he's like, okay, great. You have, you have knowledge. I believe, I believe you have faith. I believe you think the right things about Jesus. I believe that you know Jesus. And it's a good thing that you believe in Jesus. And he goes, that's good. But you know what? The devil believes God. He believes in God too. So how does that make you any different than him if you just have knowledge, if you just have the knowledge side of the scale? What good is that? And like, y'all, that is faith that uh, not only talks the talk, right? But that is faith that while it talks the talk, it walks the walk, like right on alongside. And so, if you're like me, you're like, okay, how do I respond to that? What do I do? What's the, what's the appropriate response to that? He actually, I think, says it in, uh, a little bit earlier in chapter 1. He says, hey, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hey, don't just, like, listen and don't just, like, fool yourself into, like, you're hearing it, but are you really listening to it? Like, don't just listen to God. Don't just listen to the word and, like, deceive yourselves. Actually, like, do something about it. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer of, of the word. And so, like, you guys, you, you're at the living room a good bit. Like, I hope at some point you have heard a talk that you're like, wow, that, like, just, like, got in me in a way. Like, that is, a, I heard that talk, and, like, man, it just, like, produced something in me. It, like, just, like, spurned this thing into me. We're like, man, I actually wanted to do something about it. Like, I wanted people to hear it, or I wanted to to take this into my life and, like, let it, like, show in a tangible way. Or some of you, like, you have, you read the Bible, like, you have, like, kind of personal devotion time. I hope at some point, at some point you took that in and you're like, wow, this produced something in me to where I'm not just, like, taking it in, but I'm actually doing something about it. I'm hoping it stirred something in you that, like, hey, I'm going to go from just, like, taking this in and just hearing it, and I'm actually going to do something about it. I wrote it down this way interaction with God's word, it should lead to action in your life. Interaction with God's word should lead to interaction in your life, should lead to, act, excuse me, action in your life. And so I was just thinking, like, if you, if you merely just, you sit here and you, you hear the word or you, you read the Bible and you just like, you're like, okay, got it. I know what that says. Good. Check off. Like, that's deficient interaction. That, 
isn't like sufficient, if, if the word of God, like if what God says about you and what God says about other people and what God says about the world and how to live in it, if, if you just take that in and you don't actually listen to it, if you do listen to it, but you actually don't do something about it, and if you don't actually like weave it into your life, that isn't, it's not sufficient enough to get us from the, the side of the scale of like, okay, now I, I know what I believe, but then like actually doing something about it. So he continues with this example. He says, anybody who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Which is like a really weird example, right? Like have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and been like, I forgot what I look like. Like I don't think I ever have done that. And I think that's his point. Like that's goofy. Like somebody that looks at themselves in the mirror and then immediately they walk away and they forget what they look like, that's really, like, really careless. That's really careless. That's what he's saying. He's like, you want to talk about a careless faith. Careless faith is, is reading the word of God, is taking in the word of God and then doing nothing with it and then immediately forgetting it and not putting it into action. So a careless person is somebody who, who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says. But... Next verse, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So whoever looks intently, like with intent, into the word of God, into, into who God is and who God says you are and how God says to, to handle the world around you, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And perfect law, in this case, we're talking like new stuff, right? We're talking about the law that Jesus Gabe, which says what? To love God and to love others. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love other people. Whoever looks into intently, who studies intently that perfect law, that law that gives freedom, it's not restrictive, it gives freedom, and continues in it. They don't forget what they've heard, but they, they do it. They will be blessed in what they do. In other words, down the road, down the road, the more that you do that, the more that you, you take in the word of God, and the more that you you use that and you, you allow it to, to stir something in you and produce good works. When you get to a point where you have genuine faith that produces good works in you, you're going to be blessed. That life, you're going to start having joy in life. You're going to start having hope in life. Now, it's not going to be perfect. Like, life itself will not be perfect. But you will find hope and you will find joy and you'll start to find peace and contentment in life by looking intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and you will be blessed in it. And this is the way that I remember it best is if you work your faith, it will work for you. Work your faith, and it will work for you. So what you think about it this way? You ever seen like a, uh, one of those like college rowing teams? You know I'm talking about like the rowboats? I, uh, Ryan, I'd love my boat. Can I have my boat? I couldn't get a real rowboat. Uh, we spent too much money on cereal last, a couple weeks ago. Just kidding. But uh, anybody ever been like on a, like a real rowboat? There's a picture of it uh, right here. This is what they look like. Like one of these rowboats, where it's like, you know, you got like seven people in it, and they're all like paddling, right? Thanks, man. There's a couple of oars. Could, there we go. Thank you. So I was just thinking about this. So anybody, did anybody say yes? Anybody been in one of these rowboats before? You've been in one? That's awesome. I never have. I don't even know if I've seen one in person. But I was just thinking about like boats. Who's been in a, how about this? Who's been in a canoe? Anybody been in a canoe? I hate canoes. They're like the worst mode of transportation in my opinion because like they're just slow and it takes a lot of work 
you know, like, so what do you do if you're in a canoe, right? When you're in the canoe, how do you, uh, how do you steer? What do you do? You just, you paddle, right? Like, you just paddle on one side, right? And if you want to, you want to turn left, you paddle on the right. If you want to go right, you paddle on the left. You know, you steer in the back. If you got somebody, if you're fortunate enough to have somebody in the front, you got some power up there. One time at summer camp, uh, we decided we were going to go canoeing, which is always a terrible idea. And uh, I got in the canoe with a girl that I thought was cute. And I'm like, I want to get to know you. And the perfect way is getting stranded in the middle of the lake because she refused to paddle. And I'm like, when it's one person paddling dead weight, never good. That story is not relevant. I just wanted to tell it. <laughs> but when you're in a canoe, right, it's a little tough. It's tough paddling a canoe. But think about, like, one of these, like, rowboats, right? You got paddles on, on both sides. I'm going to get in this boat. You got paddles on both sides. And you've got a team of people rowing in unison. And I think that's what James, this is comfy. Come on. I think this is what James is trying to say, right? Like some of us treat faith, some of us treat faith like it's a canoe or a kayak, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm going to steer, I'm going to paddle on the knowledge side for a long time. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to the living room. I'm going to listen to these people talk about Jesus. I'm going to listen to Andy talk about Jesus. I'm going to listen to whoever. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to read some books. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm, I'm going to, like, just, I'm going to grow in so much knowledge. You ever been in a canoe and only paddled on one side of the canoe? What happens? You don't go anywhere. You go in a circle, and you waste a lot of energy, right? And James is saying, no, 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 no. While knowledge is good and essential, don't hear that. Knowledge is good and essential. You have to paddle on the knowledge side. What about, what about the work side? What about the action side? What about that? It is much more efficient. It is much better for you to paddle in unison as a team, right, on both sides. You, have you ever seen these people on these rowboats? They fly. Like, I don't know how they do it. They go so fast. Like, you ever seen those Olympic uh, trials and stuff? That's one of my favorite things to watch. Because you've got people on both sides of the boat that are just together, and they're going. And James is like, why don't you treat your faith that way? Why don't you let knowledge, why don't you let the thoughts about Jesus, why don't you let your knowledge about Jesus, when you let it inform the way that you act and the way that you behave, when you do those things together in unison, that, that is faith. And that is faith that ultimately will get to a goal. That's faith. I'm going to get out of this thing. That is faith that ultimately will get you somewhere. And if you were here at the beginning of the semester, the 2020 experience, we said, hey, the goal of this whole thing, the goal of, of being a Christian here is like, hey, we're, we're powering towards being made, being conformed into more into the image of God, the image of Christ, right? A faith that is purely knowledge is not going to get you there by itself. A faith that lets knowledge and actions inform each other, if they let it influence both of each, each other, and you, you power through the water, that is faith that gets you somewhere. That is faith that moves. That is faith that is good, that is beneficial, that is profitable. And I'm going to get on, I wasn't going to do this, but now I am. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. Because the number one thing that I hear people say to me is, man, I just, I wish my faith was deeper. And I wish like people would just, I wish we would talk about deeper stuff. And nine times out of 10, somebody that says that, I am willing to bet is somebody that is paddling too hard on the knowledge side and forgetting all about 
the action side. Deep faith is a faith that when action and knowledge inform each other, when action and knowledge work in unison together to achieve a destination, to achieve a goal, that is, is deep faith. That is, is faith that is propelling into the future rather than faith that is just kind of leaving you stranded in the middle of the lake. And so tonight I want to challenge you to just a couple things, okay? It's not just one thing. You can't just do one of these because I think that's where the majority of people are. You got to do both, okay? The number one thing I want you to do is I want you to take a step in your belief, I want you to take a step in your belief. That looks different for a lot of people. For some of you, it's like, I just got to come to the living room more often. Like, I just got to hear these people more often. Or I got to go to church more often, wherever that is. I got to go listen to Andy more often. Or I got to find somebody on a podcast or online that, man, I really connect with. And I just got to lean in and I got to learn more. I got to read my Bible more. I need to read version devotions more and just figure out what God says about me and says about the world and what he says about himself. I got to figure that out. So I want you, at some, tonight, I want you to figure out what does it look like for you to take a step, to take a step forward in belief? What does it look like for me to take it? How do I work on the knowledge? How do I gain more knowledge about God? And now also, I think you got to take a step forward in your works. I think you got to take a step forward in your works. And that also, I mean, I think it could look different for a lot of people. Uh, for some of you, you just need to figure out how, how am I serving people? How am I serving people? How am I, man, some of you need to get into a, an upstreet small group here with some fourth graders and just love them because they're awesome. Some of you need to do that. Some of you, you can serve in the living room. You can serve all over the church. We'd love for you to do that. That's, for some of you, that's, that's taking a step in your works. For some of you, it's just I got to treat people better. Like I got to take a step in my works. I got to take a step in my actions by just loving people around me much better than, than I already do. Okay? So I think, I think all of us, all of us have two things. You have something on, on the belief side that you can do. You have a step that you can take on the belief side, and you have a, a step that you can take on the action side that will ultimately get you to a place where your life looks a little more balanced, where your faith, the things that you believe and the, the things that you do, they start to add up. They start to line up. And they start to become, it starts to become good for the people around you. It starts to become good for your family and your friends and, and just the people that you interact with on a daily, on a daily basis. Y'all, balance is the goal. And it's, I'm just going to level with you, it's pretty difficult to get to. But I think if you can find a way, take a step, take a step in your belief, take a step in your knowledge, take a step in your understanding, and take a step in your action, take a step in the way you love people, the way you think about people, the way you treat people. Y'all, you're going to very quickly discover that you have a faith that moves. You have a faith that moves people, and it moves you. And you have a faith that's profitable and beneficial for other people. And that's real talk. That doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste good going down. When I read it, I'm like, mm, I don't know. i got to take a step in my own belief. i got to take a step in my own, my own actions and my own works. So I'd just love to pray for you, pray for us in that, and we're going to sing one more song with the band and be on with our night. Let me pray for you. Father, Father, we just love you so much. God, thanks for, God, thanks that you care enough. Thanks that you care enough that we have the ability to create a place like the living room where we can come and, and we can come to know more 
about you. And we can come to know more about the way that you love us and, and the way that you ask us to love other people. Father, we have a, a pretty tall task ahead of us here of figuring out how in the world, how in the world am I going to learn more about you? How in the world am I going to come to a better understanding of my belief? And, and what is it that I believe in? What is it that my faith is in? And then also, how am I going to figure out how in the world to take a step in action towards you so that my faith will be beneficial, so that my faith will help those around me, so that my faith will reflect you and how much you love me and how much you love the people around me. God, help us have those hard conversations, those hard thoughts, those hard just discussions of what does that look like and help us take a step in boldness and actually doing something about it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.